I'm excited to be sharing today as we're continuing in our series, Wait for the Wind. And last week, Pastor Jordan talked about how seasons of waiting are actually intended to strengthen us, and yet so often there seems to be this sort of conflicting reality going on inside of us. And that is the reality of waiting in faith or waiting in fear. And we were looking at the story in Luke chapter 24 where Jesus had gone to the cross, he's been crucified, he's died and been laid in the tomb, and now there is actually talk of Jesus' resurrection. But when this is coming to the disciples, they don't really put a whole lot of weight into the things they're being told. In fact, it says in Luke that they called these things nonsense. And so they go on grieving and mourning for what at this present time feels like their greatest loss. They're weary of letting any hope in because they have forgotten that this isn't just some present possibility, but actually a promise Jesus made to them. A promise Jesus made. And so they find themselves in this waiting sort of moment again, right? Because like we talked about last week, the disciples, they've waited for the Messiah to come. They've waited for so long and Jesus shows up on the scene and they believe that he is the one to fulfill all of these prophecies and he leaves and they're left waiting again. And in the midst of this most devastating time, this critical moment that they're in, they begin to question. To question, you know, I believed that Jesus was the Messiah. We believed with everything in us that he was our long-awaited Savior. But maybe he wasn't. Maybe he was just a prophet. Maybe he wasn't who we thought he was. Maybe he wasn't going to do all that we thought he was going to do. Maybe he wasn't who we thought he was. We had hoped but now we're not so sure and it's in this critical moment that they desperately need to remember who Jesus is to them but instead they begin to downplay the reality of who Jesus is to them of who at one point with great certainty they had come to believe Jesus to be And so it's this revealing sort of moment that I think happens in seasons of waiting for all of us where a certain level of uncertainty becomes, uh, it's brought to the surface, it becomes exposed in all of us. And how it can cause us to question things that we once knew with all of our heart to be absolutely certain. Like, God, I always said I believed that you could do these things, but now I'm in this situation, and I don't see you moving how I thought you would, so I'm not so sure that I really believe that you can do those things, and you are who you say you are. I believe that this is who you are, and this is who you would be for me, but my current circumstance isn't lining up with that reality, with what I thought I knew to be true. God, who I thought you would be and who, what I thought you would do when I needed you most. But continuing in their story, 
Jesus actually reappears to them and reveals himself again and reassures them once more that he is who he says he is, that he always was who he knew, who they knew him to be. He reassures them once more. And so just after reappearing to them and right before his ascension, Jesus tells them to go and wait yet again. Right, this is where we left off last week in verse 49 of Luke 24. And now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my father promised, but stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. Let's pray this morning. God, we know that you are the great comforter in the room. God, we know that people are waiting and they're doubting or maybe they're questioning God and they're not sure of who you say you are. God, would you, would you remind us this morning that you are who you say you are, that you are the consistent one, that your character is true. God, would you restore hope today for those who are in the waiting? Amen. Well, it's interesting to me how seasons of waiting can bring to the surface our broken expectations. We see this with the disciples, not just after Jesus had gone to the cross, but we see this earlier in John chapter 14, just days following Palm Sunday before he would go to be crucified. And Jesus was expecting, or he was um, getting his disciples ready for something they did not expect. That he had dwelled among them, but now he was going to dwell in them in God the Holy Spirit that he would no longer be in their midst walking by them, but he would be constantly available within them. And to be honest, I can imagine their confusion. I can imagine their frustration and their disappointment seeing all that they had seen and knowing all that Jesus had done and their uncertainty of how this would go because I don't think they really expected Jesus to go so soon, but having to trust him when he said in John 14, and I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. And I might be thinking at that point, well, that's good because we didn't expect you to be leaving us this soon. And so he tells them he's never going to leave you. The world cannot receive him because they aren't looking for him and they don't recognize him, but you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. And in John 16, when he said, but now I am going away to the one who sent me and not one of you is asking where I am going. Instead, you grieve because of what I've told you. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away. Because if I don't, then the advocate won't come. But if I do go away, then I will send him to you. And this is such a clear picture of broken expectations that would breed a better reality, but only through waiting. See, continuing to walk with Jesus was no longer going to be available to them, but they had to trust him when he said that it was better that he went 
away. Trusting that what Jesus said to come was actually better than what they knew now. And I can imagine their confusion. I can imagine their great disappointment having walked with Jesus, the greatest man they had ever known, the man who brought purpose and identity to their life and wondering how could anything be better than this? But having to trust that their broken expectation was nothing in comparison to the greater reality that Jesus was making available. But it would only come through a season of waiting. And so the question this week is, how do we push back against the disappointment that is vying for our heart and our hope in these moments of waiting? How do we wait well? Right, because waiting is not this passive thing to be experienced, but an active process of preparation. Because if we believe that waiting is meant to produce in us all of the things that are necessary for where we're going, then we have to learn to wait well. And last week, we clearly saw the result of them not waiting well, right? They were disappointed. They were left questioning. They were living in fear. And this week, we want to see, will their response be any different? And the first thing that we have to understand when it comes to waiting is that it matters what you're waiting for. See, they weren't waiting on just anything or going off the words of just anybody, but they were waiting on the consistent, always true, ever constant, ever trustworthy word that Jesus had given them. It says in Acts chapter one, once when he was eating with them, He commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then it says in verse 6, so when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept on asking him, Lord, is now the time for you to come and free Israel and restore our kingdom? Is now the time? And he replied, the father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. See, we see here the disciples receive this promise. They receive this sure word, but their problem, like many of ours, is that they believe more important than the sureness of the word and the one who gave it is the when. Like, God, when is this going to happen? How is this going to happen? They beg the age-old question to God, are we there yet? God, are we there yet? Is now the time, right? They fall into this urge to need to know all the details of how and when. They buy into the belief that culture is still buying into today. This isn't new, that we have the power to control outcomes. And they lean into worry instead and the need to know instead of resting in the consistency of the character of the one who gave the word, who does know. And in their concern, Jesus kindly reminds them, hey, it's not for you to know. It's not for you to know. And I believe that that's the reality that maybe Jesus wants to remind our hearts of today, that it's less about when and more about will we be a people that are ready to walk in that word, who are positioned and waiting well, waiting well. 
Because I can promise you that his word is good seed. But the question is, have we planted it? Have we put it in the ground? Have we nurtured it? Are we expecting a harvest of seeds that we have yet to sow? Are we expecting something that we haven't put our faith in? So what do you do when you have the word, but you don't know the time? It says that after Jesus had told them to go and wait, Yet again, in verse 12, it says, Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives. And we see here that after Jesus had given them the word, they kept moving. In other words, in order to wait well, it matters where you wait. It matters where you wait. Because Jesus told them where his spirit would be, and it wasn't where they currently were. The waiting would actually require some movement from them, some shifting, some obedience, some work to get into position to receive the thing that he had spoken. The word was made available, but they had to decide if they were going to access the word. Would they be a people who walked in this word, or would it pass them by to another people who were more willing than they his spirit would be in Jerusalem, not here. And many of us can find ourselves here today, wherever your here is, waiting in old places, dead places, stagnant places that are no longer producing fruit, sitting with desires that he is no longer in. And we have to change where we're waiting, trying to make here work for where he said he would, would only happen there. And they had to get this determination deep down on the inside of them that they would no longer hold on to the old place, this hopeless place, this limiting place, this unfruitful place, this place that was familiar to them but not fit for what God had spoken. And they had to move out of the place they were and go to the place that God said his spirit would be. And for others in the room, maybe you're in the right place, but today you just need that extra resolve to stay put because maybe it hasn't looked very fruitful yet. Maybe it's not looking like what you thought or what you expected, but the word says that it is trees that are planted by streams of water that bear fruit in season, in its time. And so maybe the father is just reminding you today, hey, stay Put, stay doing what I ask. Stay faithful where I've put you in the place that maybe feels lonely right now, that maybe doesn't look like anything's changing right now. Stay put. And you know, you can have the right intention, but be in the wrong place. And I promise that you have experienced this before. You know this reality anytime that you've fallen asleep on the couch at night. Has anyone, anyone struggle with that? Um, I do. It's a real problem for me. And every time I fall asleep on the couch, I can honestly say that I had every intention to get to my bed. It's only one wall over, right? But you know, I'll, I'll be sitting on the couch and I'll say, you know, I'm just going to rest here for a little while. I'm a bit tired. And my family always warns me. They'll say, Ashton, if you stay here, you're going to fall asleep. And you're going to be mad when, when you wake up and say, why didn't you wake me up? Because it's an impossible task to wake me up when I'm out. And so they're yelling at me, get up, get up. And I just can't be bothered. And sure enough, every time they are right. 
And, you know, I think truly I intended to get to the place where I would clean myself off, where I would prepare myself, where I would find true rest. But just for a little while, I'm going to stay right here where it's comfortable because I'm weary. I'm going to get up because I know here in this place, I'm not going to find real rest. It isn't here. I have every intention to get up and do what I know I need to do to go to the place I know I will find rest. But just for now, I'm going to stay right here because it's comfortable. And in this very real problem that I have, um, it's taught me time and time again that if I stay here in the wrong place, I will not accomplish my right intention. My intention can be good, but if I'm not positioned in the place where he said to go, where his spirit would be, where his activity would be on my life, then I'm going to move when he, I'm going to miss it when he moves. And I just remember a few years ago, God telling me, Ashton, if you are going to walk in the things that I've spoken over your life, then you have to get out of this place. You have to leave this place. This place is stagnant. This place was good in one season, but it will not do for where I am taking you. Get out of this place. And I would try to have the right intention, but keep it in the wrong place. Like, God, my my heart is right. My intention is good. But can this person still just come along with me? And God was like, no, this place will not do. It matters where you wait. And just as important as where you wait is who you wait with. It says in Acts verse 13, you know, they've returned to Jerusalem. And when they arrived... They went to the upstairs room in the house where they were staying. And those who were present were Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, Simon, and Judas. And they all met together and were constantly united in prayer. They returned together. They met together. And they were united together. And what's interesting is we saw last week that this group was still together and yet something is different now. Something has shifted in the way that they are waiting. Last week as they were waiting, they were together but isolated. They were gathered but they were gathered around their common doubt. They were united but they were united in their downgrading of the reality of who Jesus was to them now. And if we don't look closer to examine what's going on here, it almost seems as if these two instances are similar in some regard. Yeah, they're together, but they're still without Jesus just as before. What's the difference? And on the surface, these two circumstances look similar, right? They're brought together by their common disappointment. But last week, they were waiting in fear of what could happen to them. But this week, they are waiting in anticipation of what God could do for them. What are you anticipating as you are waiting? Are you anticipating that God will do just as he said he would do? And what voices are you allowing to take up space in your life? Right? Because the right people will say, I, I know that it looks like nothing's changing right now. I know that you're hurting. I know that you're weary, but I can see the way God is strengthening your character. I can see the way he's strengthening your resolve. I know it doesn't look like anything's changing right now, but he's doing something. 
And you, we've got to surround ourselves with those voices, people who will help you see God's activity when you on your own cannot. People who will remind you that there is still evidence of God's hand even in the waiting. And God has just blessed me so much over the past few months with people who began to speak life into me. And it was actually a few uh, Sundays ago, maybe like a month and a half ago, um, Pastor Jordan was bringing a very convicting word. And I was sitting on the front row and I was feeling so much fear actually for this moment today. And I remember just sitting there and the feeling of anxiety, like the fear as if I was about to have to go up and share today came over me in that moment. And so when the service was done, I was like, okay, I'm trying to leave. And so I got up quickly and I didn't do my normal thing where I say hi to all the people I love dearly. I just walked out really quickly and I was like, I'm going. And as I'm walking out, I hear a voice and I'm like, man, I was almost down the stairs. And Pastor Jordan was like, hey, what's up? Where are you going? And I was like, oh, I have this thing to be at. You know, I really got to go. And he was like, how, how are you doing? And I was like, oh, I'm good. He was like, how, how are you doing? And I just broke down and I said, as you were speaking, I just felt this overwhelming weight that I do not have what it takes to do what God has called me to do. I I don't have what it takes. Why would God ask me to do this thing that I cannot do? And Pastor Jordan and Kristen have been such voices in my life. And he just began to speak light over those lies. He began to tear down those things and saying, hey, you are called. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy, but you are called. And I just remember in that moment being so grateful in so many other moments with people where they have been the voice that I needed when I didn't have the truth for myself. When I was so stuck in my own insecurity and those, th- those lies the enemy were bringing over me and I just needed another voice to say, hey, that's not the truth. That's not the reality. That's not what I've called you to live like. It matters who you wait with. And we want to be that for other people. God, help me to be the person that helps someone else get through in their waiting moment. And lastly, it matters what you do while you wait. In verse 14, it says, they all met together and were constantly united in prayer, along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, several other women, and the brothers of Jesus. They kept on praying. And just to be super honest, as I was preparing for today, um, this part of the message really challenged me when it came to the do part of waiting. I wrestled thinking, you know, God, in the waiting, we need to do all that we can do within our ability. God, we need to do what is required to see what you said. God, we need to say yes through uh, walking through cycles of breaking things off of our family, walking through active healing. We need to do the work. And yes, all that is true and all that is good. But I just felt God gently nudge at my heart and say, Ashton, do you believe that above all that you could do, that coming to me is the thing to do? That coming to me is the better thing? Are you anxious believing that you hold the power to change all these things? Are you weary living under this false illusion of control? When will you understand that the better thing is to hand over to me what only I can carry? 
you know, as me and God were having our own little therapy session, I just felt like he was showing me and maybe what he wants to show you today um, and to put your hearts at rest is that even if you worked to do all that you could do, and even if you had all the right conversations, and even if you put in all the work to heal, you still wouldn't have the power to heal what only I can heal. You still couldn't mend what only I can mend. You still couldn't move the things that only I can move. You still couldn't restore what only I can restore. But what you can do is take the weapon that I have given you to pray, to cast all these things at my feet. And I know that in seasons of waiting that we can get weary. And I just feel God saying, don't overlook the weapon that I've given you. Don't buy into the lie that prayer is the lesser thing to do, that it isn't the most necessary thing. And God really began to teach me this when I sort of came to this breaking point with some things going on in my family that I had been praying for. And I became so very aware that there was nothing that I could do. There was nothing more that I could make happen. And I would lie in bed weeping at night because I felt powerless. I felt like, God, why can't I do anything? Why can't I change this thing? And it was in those moments that he taught me that the waiting was actually intended to strengthen the muscles in me that needed to be strengthened. He taught me how to value what I had deemed unnecessary. And it was then that God began to teach me that it was in the secret place crying out before him that things would start to shift. And as we were singing this song this morning, I just couldn't help but think of how many midnights that God has used to teach me how to pray, to teach me how to wait. Well, I can't tell you how many nights I've laid in bed and I felt like all was lost and all was hopeless and there was nothing more I could do. And God said, pray to me, come to, to me, all those who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. And God taught me, how can you wait well? How can you wait well? How can you bring all of this to me? Would you just stand this morning? Today, maybe you're in a season of waiting and you know that there's something that needs to shift in order that you might wait well. Maybe it's that uh, you need to release the when, right? You're concerned, God, when are these things gonna happen? When are these things going to change? And you need to release the when today. Maybe you have the right intention, but you've been in the wrong place. You know that God is stirring some things in your life, but you're trying to drag along all the old things with you, all the old people, all the old mindsets with you. And God is saying, you can have the right intention, but still be in the wrong place. Maybe it's who you're waiting with. Maybe today you're saying, God, I need voices in my life that will speak to the activity on my life when I can't see it myself. Or maybe it's that you need to release control and determining all the outcomes because you've forgotten the better way to wait. But whatever it is today, even in view of your broken expectations, even in uncertainty, even in the waiting, Romans 8 says, but if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. And we know that all things work together for the good of those who love them.
who has been called according to his 